0: Well, good morning and uh, welcome one more time to Encounter Church. It's, uh, it's good to worship together. Uh, listen, I want to give a uh, quick shout-out and welcome to Fulton Heights. I got to uh, worship there last weekend, and don't tell Kentwood, but it was amazing. Thank you so much for your hospitality and showing a little bit of what God is doing in, uh, in that part of the city. Uh, listen, uh, Church, I want to give a, uh, like an update as to what God has been doing through your generosity, through doing Good Month all month long in the month of December what we did is identify uh, probably the neediest population that we could. Uh, Afghan refugees fleeing violence and oppression, settling here in West Michigan as our neighbors. And, uh, and our challenge was to provide for them a warm welcome in the name of Jesus, uh, meaning uh, hats and gloves, mittens, warm winter apparel as they get settled here. And I just got to say, I'm absolutely blown away. Uh, God provided through you over 150 items, hats, gloves, mittens, coats, and that $29.95 kind of like gimmicky, uh, uh, gimmicky deal there, he provided over $13,000 to Afghan refugees settling in here in West Michigan. Praise God. It is just so incredibly cool and humbling to be a part of uh, God's move through that Doing Good campaign and uh, just doing something objectively good uh, for the world. It's a super cool thing. I, I believe that God is also going to continue to stretch us to make generosity, not just a one-time deal in uh, in November, uh, but, but actually to create a generosity plan. And so we, as a church, had just received a grant, so every new recurring gift now through the end of the year that's set up at EncounterChurch.org is going to be Match up to fifty dollars again uh new recurring gift match dollar for dollar up to fifty dollars now until the end of the year because what we're doing is we're stretching ourselves to make generosity a uh, part of our life and a rhythm and habits okay uh today we're kicking off a brand new series at church called fear less. it's not fearless it's fear less and the idea behind that, the idea behind this series, is that fear at its core isn't actually such a bad thing, isn't such a terrible thing, that, that fear is actually like a like gift, God's gift to us to, to really keep us alive. Like our ancient ancestors had fear of like, I better avoid that stripy animal, that tiger, because it might eat me. They had a good, healthy kind of fear that kept them alive. I better not eat the weird colored berries, they might be poisoned. It's like a healthy fear that keeps us alive. Uh, Those of you who have been entrusted uh, to care for small children, when, not if, when they start climbing on things, on the counter and into the cabinets, I said into, right? It's the fear, your heart skipping a beat, that is going to keep them alive and you potentially out of jail. Like this fear, it's a good, God-given thing at its very core. Uh, Fear, in a weird kind of way, is actually connected to imagination, isn't it? Like it's fear and imagination that that helps us project and stretch into the future and start to make plans. In fact, I heard fear described that way one time as uh, fear is the byproduct of looking into the future and making plans accordingly. Some of you have looked into the future and you're going, listen, I can kind of see how there's going to be a time when I'm going to still need to put gas in my car and need to buy groceries and I'm not going to be able to work and earn money like I am right now. So my fear says I better save something when I'm good and healthy now so I have something to spend later on. That's, it's a good thing. But listen, it's when the, the fear thing starts getting out of control that it starts to cause problems. It's when the fear, when the what-ifs start going and we can't shut them off that fear becomes a problem. What if I can't pay my bills? What if I get sick and I and I don't make a full recovery? What if I can't have kids? What if what if I'm pregnant right now? The what if, what if, what if, the fear that we can't shut off. It's when it becomes a problem. Some of us identifying right now like it's a problem already. It's keeping us, it's got a hold of our lives, and it's dictating, it's the fear, not concern in a healthy way, but the runaway what-ifs that's keeping us in the place and keeping us from experiencing life and life to its fullest right now. That for some of us, or like watching uh, online or listening in our cars, hopefully not watching in our cars, (laughs) But it's, like, fear that's, like, keeping you from gathering around. And I just want to say, like, sometimes what we need isn't, like, a sermon. It's a hug. And it's fear that's, like, preventing some of that from happening. And so we, like, acknowledge some of this and saying, okay, we got to find a way not to, I guess, live fearlessly, but to live with less fear. And God does that in a remarkable way. Like, God does it. He shows up. In the Bible, in the biblical account, the birth of Jesus, and he uh, he speaks. The angel speaks a word uh, about fear, stepping into it again and again and again. Uh, God steps into the life of the shepherds watching their fields at night and and says these incredible four words, do not be afraid of where you stand before God. That's part three of our series together. Uh, God shows up, uh, the angel shows up uh, to Joseph in this incredibly... (laughs) Awkward position, as stepdad position that Joseph is going to ask to be accepted. And the angel says, do not be afraid of what people will think of you, part two of our series. And today, the angel shows up to Mary and says, this is going to come as some kind of an inconvenience to you, but do not be afraid of what God is asking you to do. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how to fear less when God asks you to do something. And immediately from the get-go, we have to acknowledge something. We have to acknowledge that when God asks you to do something, it's often an interruption, and interruptions are often inconvenient. The story of Mary's interruption is an inconvenience of cosmic proportion. And I mean that literally. Let's go to the story. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, and let's go to uh, verse 26 and uh, and read this story. It starts off this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. So we're setting the stage of God's interruptions, um, interrupting Mary's life. And I think it's probably a good thing to recognize Nazareth as a real town, real place with real people living inside of it. Uh, Nazareth, one commentator said, it's remarkable insofar as how unremarkable it truly is. Some fun facts about Nazareth. It's uh, 15 miles, which is a day and a half's walk uh, to the Sea of Galilee, even though it's in the region of Galilee. Uh, Nazareth is a good day's walk, seven miles uh, from the nearest highway around. Uh, Like like it's just, it's off the beaten path, right? Uh, It's not a huge city, but like a couple of people live there, presumably. For me, when I think about Nazareth, interruption, God breaking into history, choosing to break into this specific history. I'm, I'm from, like, the west side of town here, Georgetown Township, uh, so when I hear, you know, Nazareth, off the beaten path, my brain goes to Borculo, Nazareth, you know? And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, inevitably, somebody is going to be from Borculo, and you're going to email me, and that's okay. My email is joe at encounterchurch.org, and it's just... <laughs> but, like, here, before you send the email, though, uh, hear me out. It's, uh, Borculo is, like, 20 minutes from the nearest Meyer. Uh, it's 15 minutes from the closest highway. It's, it's kind of like Nazareth-y uh, in, in general. I looked up puremichigan.com. What's this town known for? Like, well, what are they good at? What's, what's their thing? No joke, Pure Michigan says, Borculo is known for its proximity to Holland, which of course we all know is nearby the Lakeshore. And we're like, if your highlight as a city is like, it's close to another city that has something going on, not a great sign. So God, though, right? We're talking about interruptions, fearing less. God breaks into Borculo, breaks into Nazareth by sending an angel, verse 27, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. It's going to be helpful for us to recognize that uh, engagement in the marriage isn't so much of a yesterday I wasn't married, today I am married, on-off kind of thing like it is today. It's, I think it's probably helpful for us to recognize that this um, wedding uh, marriage wasn't so much of an event as it was a process, a process that had three stages to it. The first one we're going to call engagement. Uh, today, engagement is like, let's go around, let's see some sights that are memorable to us. It's like, uh, it's, it's one knee, it's a velvet box, it's a shiny ring. Engagement then was like dads coming together and deciding that their kids will one day be married. And like, establishing this contract. Uh, not like a made-for-Hallmark movie kind of uh, engagement, but just saying it like it was. That's step one. Step two is the betrothal, the closest thing that we could think of today as a wedding ceremony. This is when the couple would exchange their vows and they would make lifelong pledges to one another. And then stage three is the actual marriage. The husband would come at an undetermined amount of time, usually somewhere around a year after the, the pledge time, and come and like pick up his bride and they would start their new life together which I just have to love, like the recognition for thousands of years, even in ancient times, I have to, I love the recognition uh, of, the, of the culture that says you, you haven't been married until you've been married for like a year, right? Like that's when you like you dig in and you're like, oh yeah, no. You haven't been married uh, until you like you smell that, that morning breath coming over, right? You haven't, you haven't been married until you've had to use the bathroom, like after they have used the bathroom, right? That's, that's when you know. Which is subsequently why I always tell couples to make their pledges and vows before they move in together. Because otherwise, like, it's all bets off when you have to smell that, the, the, the business, right? Anyway, anyway, they recognize they recognize something. You haven't been married until you've been married a year. It's a process. Mary and Joseph are probably in the middle stage. They've probably made their, uh, their vows and their pledges to one another. And they're in this year-long waiting period to kind of seal those pledges and those vows. And Joseph picks her up, and they start their new life together. What I'm simply saying is, this was heavy. These were vows. This would require a divorce to separate them at this point. But it isn't quite sealed yet. Now, the angel shows up. And the next line, the the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, hang on. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, greetings you who are highly favored. Hang on to that if you want to. You know, circle that one in your Bible. uh, Highlight in your notes app. Uh, The the Lord is with you. And she's freaking out because an angel is here, right? And Mary's going, oh man, an angel angel is coming to visit. This is incredible. i read about this. Read about this in the Old Testament. Which to her is like just the Testament. And now this angel is actually here. No, she's, listen, she's not freaking out. She's not excited that an angel is visiting her because what she is seeing is probably not like the angelic little uh, chubby baby with the little weird wings that you've like seen made out of porcelain. It's not. Gabriel is visiting. It's like warrior, messenger, angel of God is visiting. And every time Gabriel shows up, it's accompanied with this line, do not be afraid, I think for a reason. So, Angel Gabriel shows up to her, Mary, who is highly favored. And her response, naturally, is verse 29. Mary was, and probably an understatement, greatly troubled. <laughs> greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, I want to make something um, kind of clear, help us along some ways, because I recognize encounter church is a church where we come from all over the place, right? Uh, from different church backgrounds or no church background at all. And we recognize that and we, and we love it. Part of our diversity, it's a cool thing. Uh, some of you from some uh, kind of higher liturgical traditions, Catholic traditions, you'll notice, like, we don't have Mary around here. Like, we don't have the pictures. We don't have little statues of Mary. I don't have them in my home. It's not part of the of the theological framework of encounter. And it's like a wondering, why not? like. Mary was chosen, highly favored, to be, and I'll listen to the words carefully, to be the mother of God, which is a funky way of saying it, right? But isn't it true? Like Jesus, fully divine, God, called Mary, Mom. Clearly, there's something about her that's highly favored, and you're right. I want to affirm those instincts in you. Uh, She is highly favored. This text was written in Greek. Mary is the Greek expression of the Hebrew Old Testament name Miriam. Miriam is Moses' sister. Uh, Mary probably comes from a very religious, very spiritual family, to get that name, Mary, Miriam. Miriam means one who is highly favored. The angel shows up in Mary's life and, and calls her highly favored, the angel Gabriel is affirming her God-given name, you who are highly favored. Now listen, because we got to get this thing clear, that it means something for us today, that it wasn't so much that Mary did something that warranted the favor of God. No, no, she was there already. She was highly favored because, not something she did, but because of what God did for her. That God God poured out his grace on Mary's life, and it's her grace that made her extraordinary and special. Listen to me, church, because this Christmas, it is God's grace that is poured out on you, too, that makes you extraordinary and makes you special. Amen? Right? I mean, come on. I'm preaching here. I'm going to ask her some company along the way as well. All right, so this is Miriam. This is uh, Miriam. She's highly favored. And she's greatly troubled because of the interruption, because God breaks in at a very inconvenient time. God breaks in as she's like planning this final leg of her wedding. God's breaking in as she's like researching Instagram to find like the perfect barn to get married in. And God's like, well, if you like barns, you know, (laughs) I got a plan for you. Right? God breaks in as she's like working on her signature. Uh, you know, her new last married name that she's like, you know, how do you do like a cursive Z? Like, I don't know, right? Mary, or God breaks into Mary and she's like looking ahead, you know, one day, a long time in the future when Joseph and I are ready, we're going to start a family and if it's a, uh, if it's a girl, we're going to name her Emma and if it's a boy, I'm thinking Lily, uh, Liam or something like that, God breaks in and it's wildly inconvenient and I want to just take a moment at this point and just recognize that I think every time that God breaks in, it's an interruption. It's more than inconvenient. But isn't it also true that when God breaks in with an interruption, he probably also views it as an invitation to something better? That what we view as an interruption, God probably views as an invitation to something better? Think about, think about who God is. If you know some parts of the Bible, think about the stories in the Bible that you might know. <laughs> that Moses, as an octogenarian, as an 80-year-old, is tending his father-in-law's sheep in Midian, and he's thinking, this is, this is probably it. And God shows up in the form of a bush burning that will not burn up and burn out and says, hey, Moses, interruption. I would like to invite you to be the leader to escort my people out of slavery and oppression into the promised land that I'm about to give them. Hey, uh, Jonah, I'm going to interrupt your morning swim uh, off from a boat into the water heading towards the shore uh, with an invitation in the form of a great big whale to, yes, reconsider your plans not to go to Nineveh and, in fact, go there and preach the word and turn this whole city upside down. It's an interruption. It's also God's invitation. God comes in the form, Jesus uh, interrupts Peter while he's making a fine net income. It's a fisherman joke, thank you. Uh, It says, Jesus, invitation now, come and follow me. And Peter's life is never the same. Church, it's like how God works. His interruptions are actually an invitation to something higher. Now, I'm telling you that so many times because I need you to remember it this week. Because this week, there's going to be an interruption. And and please don't take that as like a threat from me. But I want you to be able to recognize it. That when God grabs a hold of your heart and life, and it feels intrusive and it feels like an interruption, I want you to remind yourself, this is an invitation to something higher. Some of you have had that experience. Where somebody invited you to come to church, and you're like, "No, no, this is this is an in, this is a interruption. I've got plans. I don't. Want to, I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. I know there's somebody in the room who has that story in their background." They're going, I don't want to, but because Encounter is an inviting church, they just wouldn't take no, and so I just invite and invite and invite until you finally said, okay, I'm going to go just so that I can go and say it wasn't for me, and then I'm going to go home and never come to that place again, and you'll quit asking. But you came. And maybe it was in the song, or maybe it was something you heard in the message, but like, like God got a hold of your heart and like, like did something. And as a result, you took the courageous next step of coming back the next week, and the next, and the next. And and then something else weird happened. It's like God started speaking to you, started like moving, not on a Sunday morning, but like a Wednesday evening. And you're hanging out with a a friend, and and they're pouring out their life, and it's messy, and it's painful and there's there's all kinds of hurt and internally right it's this new experience for you you weren't like criticizing them or judging them in your mind. No, no. even inside you were empathizing with them and you're and you're offering them love and support and, and like hope and you're going, who is this? And then all of a sudden you find yourself out of body experience and you're like praying with that person, not for that person later on during the, you know, rest of the week, away from them in the solitude of uh, just by yourself, but like with them in the moment. They're going, what is this? And then on Sunday, it's like, hey, there's a need, an opportunity for you to tell uh, these four-year-olds about the love of Jesus in their life week in and week out. It's not like a one-time commitment. It's a long-time kind of, uh, kind of relationship building, and you're like, going, I do not have time for this. What an... What an incredible interruption to my life! But okay, like sign me up. And you're going, what was that? You know, like, and all of a sudden you're you're serving and you're loving these kids. You're reflecting the love of Jesus, and and you know it. It's like the highlight of your week is telling four-year-olds about the love of God in their life. What happened? God happened. That's what. The Spirit of God moved and what you initially probably saw as an interruption to your way of life was an invitation to an incredibly higher way of life this is what mary is experiencing right now an interruption like none other she's afraid naturally but 30 verse 30 but the angel said to her <laughs> do not be afraid mary <laughs> you have found favor with God. Favor with God. That's amazing. Favor with God? I bet this angel is going to show up and pay for my whole wedding. That's what favor of God means. I bet the angel is going to say, we're going to take care of the honeymoon too. The, the angel might even show his favor by covering 20% of Joseph and Mary's first home for a down payment. Stay tuned. Verse 31, you'll conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I want us to recognize that it is understandable To fear God's plan in our lives. At the very minimum, His plans are probably inconvenient. I want us to also recognize that that inconvenient interruption can also break up our plans to reflect His purpose. It's recognition that God's purpose is different and, I would say, higher than our plans. But it does require giving up those plans. And that's not, that's not easy. You know, I think of a couple that they never explicitly said it, but they just, they just imagined that, that their life and that their kids would be healthy and able and capable. But God interrupted those plans with bringing a special needs child into their life. And it was not easy. I think of somebody who's disengaged at work, not that they, they don't like it, but it's just not everything. Everything. And then all of a sudden, in the month of December, it's gone. And never once did I think that I would would be at this place, at this stage of my life, and be without. I mean, I didn't love it, but it was something. And the plans change. I think of somebody who's engaged to to be married. And the fiancé says, I think we should talk, and really have a deeper conversation. And you think, this is the moment. He's really... He's really going to pour into me, invest into me, uh, declare what our relationship is going to be like, seeking after the Lord together. And and what he wants to talk about isn't those things at all, but I think we should call off the wedding. And plans change. God reveals his purpose amidst them. Not right away, not usually, but the couple experiencing the change of plans, the interruption with a, with a special needs child, it's like they will testify that their hearts were stretched to a capacity of love far beyond what they could have ever even imagined in those moments. God's purpose shown through their interrupted plans. The, the job, the finance, I, I didn't love my job, but it was still something. I mean, it paid the bills, and I didn't want to be here when the job eventually comes. It's like, I didn't know that there, would, that there was possibility to experience this, this kind of affirmation and purpose and calling and, and ministry in this setting. I had, I had no idea that work could be like this, and God's purpose shines through. To the person who's, who's recently been broken up with, thinking I'm never going to find anybody else like that in my entire life, is, is now learning that one is a whole number. And if I can't be happy and content and fulfilled outside of a relationship, I'll never be happy and fulfilled and content inside of one either. God's purpose is fulfilled, even though our plans were interrupted again and again and again. This quote from Joseph Campbell, a philosopher, said, I love this so much. Uh, He said, We must be willing to let go of the life that we had planned so as to accept the life that is planned for us. Mary is in the process of letting go of the life that she had planned to pick up the life that God is planning for her. But she's like, I got a question. To the 16-year-old young woman in the back, verse 34, question, how can this be? Mary asked the angel, "How can this be? Since uh, <clears throat> I'm a virgin, I've never been with anybody before. I've just got some biological questions on how this is going to operate. Uh, it's a, it's a good question, uh, because it's, I mean, it's not just impossible. Like it's a, it's absurd, right? Like we got to name that. Some of us, like we've heard this story a long time. It's like, and then the virgin gave birth, and it's like, wait, I'm sorry, back up to the first part. What? It's not just impossible. It's absurd." A uh, silly example of this. Uh, years ago, I decided I'm going to start running, you know, to uh, lose a few pounds and like just take care of myself, like a like a little bit. And I realized, like, hey, like I'm not terrible at this thing, right? I'm kind of, I'm kind of not bad. And because I'm a little competitive in an Enneagram 3, not that you're asking, but now that you know it, Enneagram 3, I'm like, hey, I'm going to keep working at this. And I'm like timing myself and like taking the the times down. And I'm like, hey, if, if this is like points make a line, like I'm getting really fast, you know, fast forward a year, I could be really, really good at this. Well, fast forward a year, and I, and I recognize that it, it doesn't go like this. It kind of tapers off like that. And I realize I'm not quite as good as I think that I was, especially when I look up some of the times of the people who are actually fast. This guy over here on Keys this morning coach's track and field. Ethan, you can Google his times. He's fast. And and somebody like him in those times, like when he runs, when they run, when fast people run, it's not like they're running. I'm not totally sure that their feet hit the ground because they just kind of float down the pavement. They like glide at high speeds. On the other hand, me, I mean, what I sound like as opposed to them, I sound like a pack of Clydesdales that just got called to dinner, like galloping along the way. I mean, it is not a pretty sight to behold for an angel to come to me and said, you are going to win, not just your division, but you are going to win the Chicago Marathon. This is not just impossible. This is absurd. So we don't fault Mary for asking, "Um, I'm sorry, how, how can this be? she's not the only person who asked that. Like on your Bible, if you scroll up a little ways, you can find also in Luke chapter 1, uh, Zechariah asks the question. Angel comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth, we heard her name mentioned already, and says, in your very old age, you didn't think this was going to happen, you're going to have a baby. And his name is going to be John the Baptist, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, Jesus' cousin. Now, <laughs> Zechariah asked the question, ha <laughs> ha, how can this be? And God literally shut him up, like, like closed his mouth, made him mute from that point on. The time that until the time that John was born, and his first words afterwards, his name is John. What's the difference? And honestly, I'm not entirely sure why Mary gets recognition and favor, and Zachariah gets like shut up. But I, I think it has to do with posture. Same words different heart posture Zechariah asked with a with a note of skeptical unbelief Mary Mary phrases it with a wonder-filled faith Okay But how can this how can it be How can not just the impossible but the absurd take place And friends, make no mistake about it, we serve an absurd God, an absurd God who's asking us from something, an absurd kind of impossible-is-nothing kind of God that's saying, I'm going to ask you to step out and in faith offer forgiveness to somebody that hurt you, that you would never offer forgiveness to naturally. Our absurd God is going to ask things, is going to interrupt our life with an invitation and say, I'm going to ask you to step out and to live generously even now. I'm going to ask you to step out and to, and to seek reconciliation with somebody. It, it ended poorly, and you didn't think that you'd ever see them again, hear from them again. Honestly, it's okay if you're not friends. It's fine. And he's going to ask you to pull up that phone and just simply say, listen, it's been a while. I've been thinking about you, and I care. I hope you're well. That's all. It's an absurd thing. It's an absurd kind of thing, but we serve an absurd God who's asking us for things. An absurd God who does the impossibly absurd. An absurd, impossible kind of God that's going to take a sickness that we didn't think that we would ever necessarily be freed from in our whole life, and to wipe it away and to make it gone. And when we thought we didn't even know that we could pray for something like that, he's an impossible, absurd kind of God. And he's coming to you. And he's interrupting you, even now, even this week. And he's bringing a nudge. May we find the words of the angel in verse 35. When the angel answered, this is how. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And I love this line from 37. For no word from God will ever fail. You know, the New Living Translation says, nothing is impossible with God. No word from God will ever fail. When he brings that nudge, nothing is impossible for God. And church, I believe with my whole heart that we serve a God who still speaks today. In fact, the only reason why I'm sharing this story with you today isn't isn't just because it happened. I believe that it happened. But I also believe that it happens. That God still speaks today. And we believe that He speaks through the Holy Spirit, through those nudges. And you sense them and sometimes you've ignored them, to be honest. Because it's... It's an interruption. I don't want to have to think about offering forgiveness. I don't want to explore what reconciliation might look like. But for God, it's an invitation to some far better way of life. It's his purpose revealed. And so this week, I just want to encourage you to be receptive to that message that, that the Spirit of God is bringing into your life. If you're, if you're brand new here at Encounter, if you're brand new to church in general, listen, your, your next step is probably just to come back next week for part two. And then, and then to, to keep coming back and, and make this a rhythm. It's possible that you're, you're, you're at home and you're, and you're watching online, you're watching in the living room, you're watching in a bedroom and, and you don't need a, a sermon, you need a hug. And, and so maybe your next step listening to that nudge of God is to show up at one of our locations, live and in person and receive that hug. Maybe during this last song that we sing together, the Spirit of God is going to get a hold of your heart and it's got somebody in your mind, a college roommate, a friend you haven't talked to in years. It did not end well. We're a phone-friendly church. If you need to pull out your phone and to offer them a text, just thinking of you, hope you're well, that's okay. Say yes. To the interruptions, they're actually they're actually invitations make their reconciliation, reach out to somebody who needs the hope and the love of Jesus, head on to the prayer table during this song as we close our time together and just receive the prayer of God's people over into your life but church this is what I hope our time ends up with as well the words of Mary the words of Mary in verse 38 where she simply responds to all of this I am the Lord's servant. It's what we say when we don't know what to say. Okay. I am the Lord's servant. God, I'm going to accept that this interruption is your invitation. I'm going to accept that my change of plans is you revealing your purpose. God, okay. I am your servant. I want to invite you, church, to to stand up as we end our time together. If you're at home, Fulton Heights, Kenwood, everybody, let's stand up together. A reminder, during this last song, at both locations, we have people set up in the back. We would love to pray with you during this time together. Let's pray together now. Uh, Our gracious God, we, we pray for good conversations this week. Spirit, as you've nudged us to recognize the interruption as an invitation, help them to go well. Help us to see your purpose behind our change of plans. God, I pray that we trust you with the outcomes, that we don't try to manipulate or control them all the time, but we simply say, whatever you have for us is not just good, it's it's God, it's you, it's yours. We're your servant. And God, I pray that even though this month is Inevitably going to be difficult for many of us spending this time together. Help us, God. Give us the supernatural vision and eyes to see, God, your goodness through it all. Jesus, we pray this in your name, who loved us to death and back again to new life. Amen. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.